Do you feel you're wasting money you could be keeping in your pocket? Well, many private label Amazon sellers don't even know where they're wasting money, let alone how to stop it. But if that's you, we can help. Our new online assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a powerful and quick diagnosis, go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your instant free analysis straight away. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the amazing FBA family. Like the 10K Collective Masterminds, this podcast is for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and meanwhile want to enjoy the process, keep listening. In the mundane act of naming a price, we translate the desires of our hearts into the public language of numbers. That turns out to be a surprisingly tricky process. William Poundstone. Price consultancy is big business. The most famous price consultancy that Poundstone mentions has over 500 employees globally, and they have 60 PhDs, quite a few in physics, and they have a reputation as literally the rocket scientists of pricing. So pricing is a surprisingly deep powerful and psychologically driven thing rather than a mundane detail that we have to just fix once and then move on. And I want to talk today, not so much in theory and grand strategy, but from my client's experience in the 10K Collective and weave in the, the tactical actions they've taken, their experiences of the reality on the ground. And then if you want to go and explore a little bit more deeply, and see how deep this rabbit hole goes, you've got a couple of books that I can mention, one of which is William Poundstone's Price, The Psychology of Value. So let's talk about this. First of all, why does this even matter? Well, I think it's pretty simple. Let's come back to the more mundane maths that we can all grasp, but we quickly overlook, which is this. If you have a $20 product, which has, say, a 20% profit margin, that means if you're good at maths, you are making $4 in profit. Let's say you increase the price by 10% and you can maintain that price and keep your other costs the same. Well, guess what? Your profit has increased from $4 to $6, which isn't a dramatic amount in absolute terms, but it's a 50% increase in profit for a mere 10% increase in price. Now, can you just increase your price by 10%? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? In some cases, more than you might think. And therefore, this has got huge power. It goes straight to your gross profit line. So not only is it not abstract, but it's not a casual matter. This directly drives huge amounts of profit if you get it right, which is why I think it's a subject worthy of serious consideration and more than that, action by the busy, stressed entrepreneur owning a business where, frankly, we've all had crazy rises in prices, whether it's shipping or raw material costs. Amazon ads costs also going up across the board. So one concept I want to talk about simply is price sensitivity. We all tend to assume that all products are very price sensitive on Amazon as sellers. At least most people I've ever worked with or spoken with back in the day myself, I've done that as well. And the reality is on the ground a little bit different as is gradually emerging from discussions in the 10K Collective Mastermind around this subject amongst others. It really seems that three things, three categories have emerged of price 
is prices and products related to prices. First of all, some products are indeed quite price sensitive. So if you raise your price and the competitors keep theirs, then you find that the sales drop off. And that if you raise your price a lot, they drop off a great. Sometimes it's caused by the competitors lowering their prices, which kind of kicks off what's called a price war, of course. We're all incredibly familiar with that. And then sometimes you and the competition might keep your prices the same, but the market changes price sensitivity on the buying side because they feel under pressure or at the moment and for the foreseeable future in mid-2022 as I'm recording this, probably they are feeling the effects of inflation. Not to say, of course, whoever who knows what comes next with inflation and recessions tends to come, rise in unemployment, it, purchasing power is diminished, etc. So with all that at play, that sounds the mundane, boring and rather depressing reality of the normal price sensitivity. But here's what I would say that my some of the more savvy members of the mastermind have discovered that some products are quite price elastic. That is to say, you can rise the price quite a significant amount before demand drops off. And that's when you're in the scenario I was talking about before, where you raise the price 10% and you maybe increase your profits anywhere, depending on your profit margin from 30% to 50 to even 100%. For one of the mastermind members that sells a lot of products, got a good business, but they have pretty thin margins on the individual products. And if you're looking at a product that sells for £10 and you make £1 profit, guess what? If you can increase your price by 10%, that extra pound doubles the profit. So the thinner your margins are, the more significant that is to find those products that are price elastic. The third category I would say that people have come across in that's more common is the products you can raise prices, but you will need to do some extra marketing work to justify it. And sometimes you can tweak the product mix as well. Now there's lots and lots of clever things that the price consultants out there at SKP advise. For example, you may notice that the, I can't remember what the buzzword to describe it is, but the sort of shrinking size of packets of various types of consumer products over the years, which have the same price that you have, say a hundred gram bar of chocolate that cost a euro if you're in the eurozone thinking and now it's 90 grams and it still costs a euro or translating to ounces and dollars and pounds whatever this is an international phenomenon so that's one thing you can consider as well but that means rejigging your pricing changing or rejigging the physical products packaging and stuff like that as well so i'm going to stick with this series of profit maximization videos and uh, podcasts and content to the basics, which means you don't have to change the actual products very much. So talking of which, we're now getting into the world of the tactics. How do we actually exploit this theoretical ability to explore pricing in order to maximize profit? Well, roughly in order of ease of use, there's repricing if you're using a repricer. Now, this is counterintuitive because I've just explained how complex the psychology of all this stuff can be. And now we're suddenly talking about outsourcing it to a mere machine. Well, the point is machines and artificial intelligence engines, if that's really what you're using, will actually respond to reality on what they think reality is, <laughs> if it's a good system. Now, most systems are rules-based and that's a bit primitive for this situation. So a an artificial intelligence engine can be really helpful. The best people I know for this, honestly, I think the only people who really deal with private labelers situation are guys called Eva. 
And if you can get yourself a deal, if you get over to Eva and use amazingfba.com forward slash Eva, you will see my coupon code over there. And I'm happy to give you a discount. By the way, like any affiliate relationship, you will not get charged more. It comes out of them, not you, as it were, that they pay me. You don't have to pay anything extra if you choose to go down that route. But that is really the only one repricing I think of that is easy to use. We can do manual repricing. I would call that the hardest of the tactics I'm going to discuss today. So both of them, by the way, used in the mastermind. Some people have manually repriced using a member of staff in some cases full time. Other people have used a repricing engine like Eva and are getting good results with it. So that's the first thing is using a repricing engine of the right kind. And that's such a big area that I'm going to devote a whole podcast to repricing because that's really practical, but it's got to be done the right way. Second tactic then that's pretty straightforward is really very easy one, which is tiering coupon codes. So obviously we all know about the ability to create general use coupon codes or one-time use codes. So I'm talking about general use codes on Amazon that are out there, um, not just individually, but, but are out there full stop available to the general public. And you simply use the tiered system, which most people don't know about or don't use because it's just not very common. But if you've got certain types of products that lend themselves to being bought in bulk or at least in multiples, then even without bottling, bothering to bundle your products into packaging uh, together, you can still sell 10 units, 20 units, 50 units, whatever, at a discount. And I've done this a lot in the past. I used to sell um, products to choirs and orchestras, and of course, being institutions and groups, they would buy things cheerfully in 10s, 20s, 30s, 50s, and even 100s occasionally if I gave them a nice discount. Now, it may be a strange thing to say if you're talking about profit maximization to be discussing big discounts. Well, for starters, you don't have to have a big discount, but if you give a 10% discount for ordering 20 of a product, although your profit per unit is going to be lower, your profit per order is much, much higher. So if you're sending traffic even if it's organic traffic, you can see that it costs you money in the sense that you have to do the photography and copywriting and keyword research work per listing. But if you're paying for traffic, it's much more directly more profitable because you pay for one click. And if it converts, you're selling 20 units at a go. So if you're selling units somebody for $20 each and you discount 10%, say to $16, then you sell... 20 units suddenly you're looking at a much higher revenue you can't do the maths on the fly what's that 320 dollars now of course this only works if you don't discount too hard and remove your profit margin and you've got to have reasonable profit margins there so you've got to tailor it according to your own situation but that can drive a lot more in absolute profits even if the percentage profits is a bit lower and if you've got a lot of stock you want to move through at the same time that can be a really great combination now, the next thing I'm going to talk about really should drive the absolute profit, the relative profits and the absolute profits, which is bundling. This is an obvious thing to do as well, but many people just don't do the obvious. So I'm here to tell you that the people in the mastermind who've done it in some scale now and many different product areas have great success with this. Just because it's obvious doesn't mean everyone's doing it, especially if other people in your marketplace are doing it and you're not. Well, then you're really handing the competition a stick to beat you with so use it instead and if your competition isn't using bundling properly and fully then it's there for the taking for you isn't it 
So bundling is very simple, but the difference between that and the tiered coupon codes approach that I've just suggested is that you put all the products into packaging together. So you could have individual units of something selling and you can create a two pack, a three pack, a five pack of the same kinds of things. If you sell a bundle of varied things, obviously you can bundle the things together. It's not rocket science to do this. If you send stock into Amazon from your home or from a third party warehouse, it's pretty straightforward to do. If it goes direct from say China or from your factory somewhere else, you're going to need to get your factory to do it. So my advice is very simple, which is to start your bundling experiments with very small numbers. So if you have normally individual units and you've got them in a warehouse somewhere, maybe you've got a third party warehouse, get them to bundle together two of the units into one package. And you may need to use some temporary packaging until you've got things scaled and you're convinced that it's going to work well and then go away and get bigger packaging made, etc. Anything can become complex if you work on that. But I would start with the simplest possible version. If you literally just take two cardboard, basically cubes of products, two units in each package, for example, and you wrap the two together with cellophane properly and making sure that you've obeyed Amazon's instructions about that. It's not rocket science to get that done. And it's really worth doing. The next thing you can do, and this is not exactly pricing related, but it's similar because it's all related to how much you get for what price. I just want to mention that with bundling, bringing it back to pricing, you don't necessarily have to charge at a sort of mathematically high level of precision. A lot of people aren't very good at doing the math. So if everyone else is bundling, say, two units, four units, eight units, and I don't know what, 16, then why don't you bundle nine or 12? Because it's harder for people to do the maths. And you can assume that a certain percentage of people who buy will be good at the maths, but a majority of people won't necessarily be <laughs> doing the maths that vigorously. By the way, it depends on how price sensitive your market is and different categories will vary on that front. But trying to make sure you don't get apples compared with apples, that's what I'm trying to say. The next thing is pricing related, which is loss leaders of small bundles or small sizes, depending on the type of product you've got. One of our mastermind members has been very successful with this. He's pushed into it by one of his competitors. He and his business partner responded by producing the small version of something, very small quantity in the packet of their consumable good that they hoped would be a loss leader and then when people came through because it was cheap, it would sell a lot and therefore it would rank high in the search results. Then the consumers would click on that. And once they got onto their listing, it was set up as a parent and child relationships of variations. And they would see there are other variations which have a bigger size and an even bigger size of the products. And then they would click through to that. Well, that has happened, but also they've discovered that they're actually making a profit, albeit a small one, on the small size as well because it's selling so easily. So that can be really great. So Going in with the idea of a loss leader, a smaller version of whatever you've done is a very successful tactic. And especially in price sensitive times, if people want a little bit of luxury, but they don't feel they can justify what they used to spend, if they used to spend $25 on a luxury, maybe they need to spend 15 now. And if you engineer it correctly, then you can probably make a profit on the front end. But even if you don't, you can probably make a profit if they see the cheap product in the search results, click on it, and then see your more expensive products that are, again, priced to look like better value. So say your small version of the product is $15, but if you get a 10-pack, then it's proportionately a lot less, $99, whatever it may be. 
if you are in a space which you feel could be cut back because it's discretionary spending not essential in a downturn or recession or whatever we're calling the economic situation guess what you can probably still inhabit the affordable luxury space which is a much more profitable than the bargain or great value for money space if you are smart about thinking about sizing and amounts of products the last thing that the 10k collective mastermind members are doing is conversion rates optimization i'm going to talk about branding and cro separately again but i'm going to mention it in the context of pricing if you have 100 visitors to a listing if your conversion rate is 10 percent, then you'll get 10 sales out of 100 visits and if it's 20 percent, you'll get 20 sales out of 100 visits and that implies the pricing stays the same and the number of sales goes up but equally what you can do with improved conversion rate or better messaging and a more powerful brand is to defend your price so instead of having 10 people out of 100 so 10 percent conversion rate buy a product at 20 dollars you work on your listing in order to have 10 people out of 100 convert but at a 23 dollar price which massively increases your profit if you look at the numbers of sale by sale your direct costs your cost for the traffic's the same and your cost for the products being the same then what you've done is built extra margin to every single sale and that is fantastic news so conversion rate optimization should become an obsession it's always a nice to have i think it's an absolutely essential to have in straightened times that we live in so a couple of things about that i'm going to talk in general terms and we'll be more specific when it comes to the branding specific episode three simple things that i see people doing well or when they do it badly it goes badly wrong number one benefits benefits are the outcomes you need to tell people what they're going to get from using your products it's particularly true in the us also in the uk it's not how you should sell to germans they like features they're very technically minded different world but if you're selling to english-speaking markets broadly speaking clear benefits not features not we have 4.5 millimeter thick polypropylene plastic but this is almost unbreakable compared to other iphone cases well okay that means that it's not going to be breakable great you've answered the so what question and the other question that consumers have is why should i buy your product not joe blogs over here and you really need to answer that question the answer is differentiation your product may be engineered to be different from the competitors products i hope it is but even if it isn't very well engineered that way which is a longer term much more expensive process as we all know it takes months especially if you're getting the samples from china or india we've all been there then guess what you need to articulate more clearly than the next person how your product is different to their product even if the product's the same the marketing can be better and it's about articulating in the fullest sense not just using words and that brings me to the last point which is i really think before you worry about the images you should clarify precisely what your benefits are and your selling points and your differentiation points and only then should you try and write that into coherent language that is punchy and direct and exciting and only after you've done the copywriting in my experience is it the time to go and hire photographers or graphic designers and tweak the images and the reason is you've got to explain to them in clear words or a brief which i'll be talking about soon with the professionals actually but the brief is critical and unless you're super clear in your mind exactly what you're trying to communicate it's very hard to communicate with a professional image manipulator or image marketing professional exactly what you want from them so clarity is everything what are the benefits of the selling points 
what outcomes do people get from using this? And you've got to link them to features. It can't be just abstract. But most people go on about features too much. So link benefits to features and you're halfway there. Clear differentiation, clear communication with language, and then you get your professionals in unless you're an amazingly good photographer or graphic designer. I was speaking to a very fine visual marketer, Daisy Sepulveda, who runs a model agency and they do fantastic product photography for Amazon. We are actually going to be discussing how to write a good brief soon. So stay tuned for that because that is a, a missing piece. But that all comes down to you being very clear. So just going over these tactics again, first of all, testing pricing. I strongly suggest you use an automated system. And frankly, the only one I know of for private label sellers is Eva, which is why we keep going on about them because they're very powerful and you can get discounts and deals at amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. The second thing is tiered coupon codes. Really easy if your product gets sold in mass numbers or can do. If you're seeing orders coming through from multiple units, that's the clue. Some products that doesn't apply to, some products that won't be enough profit margin to do any kind of discounting, in which case don't use that. But for some people, that can be very powerful. The third thing is bundling. Lots of things you can do with that. But broadly speaking, if people will buy one unit and they might buy two units, then they're quite likely to be in the market for four units. What about 10? What about 20? Getting the amounts right is a thing you'll determine through experiment, which is why I suggest you bundle them at home or use the third-party warehouse or your own warehouse stuff, depending on the size of your operation. But don't hardwire it in. Don't get it done in the factory in China six months ago. That's not the way to experiment with bundling sizing, in, in my view. Number four, lost leaders. Really powerful. Getting a small version or a cheaper version or a less quantity. If you sell a 330 milliliter bottle or whatever that is in fluid ounces, eight fluid ounces, then sell a half size one of perfume, dog deodorant, whatever it is you're selling. The fifth one, conversion rate optimization. The specific spin I'm putting on this with the pricing in mind is that you can optimize your listing in order to gain a higher price, but for about the same conversion rate. So these are all fairly tactical stuff. I'm trying to keep my feet on the ground and report back from what's happening on the ground rather than too abstract stuff. But clearly, if you're interested in this, then you probably should be. Then William Poundstone's book is really powerful. So I'm going to recommend a couple of books. The book by William Poundstone, Priceless, The Hidden Psychology of Value. If you like business books, I think you'll find that really fascinating. The other book is Pricing Power by Jason Miles of Omni Rocket, formerly winning on Shopify and, of course, the co-host of The E-Commerce Leader, a sister podcast of Amazing FBA that I co-host with Jason. And we are going through Pricing Power principle by principle. There are 12 principles, so I'm not going to recreate that here, but just stay listening out for those. And if they prove popular on The E-Commerce Leader, I'll bring them over to the Amazing FBA podcast to a degree as well. But The E-Commerce Leader is out there, the E-Commerce Leader, if you want to catch it on podcasts. Out of his principles, I just want to mention two or three that really strike me. First of all, you need a pricing strategy. And if nothing else, if today's podcast has woken you to the power of pricing and the possibility of really being much more active with and much more mindful about your pricing, then I've done you a favor. Go get a copy of Jason's book available on Amazon. By the way, he's an e-commerce operator par excellence and very practical so if you want a very practical, do like this, don't do this, then Jason's book is the most practical one. I think the Poundstone is fascinating, but it's more abstract. The second principle, don't start a war you can't win. 
it's particularly tempting when you feel like the sky is falling in to run around like Chicken Little and start lowering prices, even though your cost prices are going up because you sense that maybe correctly, probably correctly, that the consumers in general are pulling in their horns and spending less and more price sensitive. Are they more price sensitive in your particular category? It really depends on your category. But you nevertheless do not want to start a price war if you are not the cheapest in terms of your cost structure compared to your competitors. And you probably aren't if you're listening to this because the Chinese factory out there probably is cheaper than you. A couple of other points that Jason makes is principle nine is there is no perfect price. And that is correct. You are going to keep testing and keep adjusting, particularly in a very active time in the markets when everything is changing a lot, particularly consumer demand. And that brings me back to the importance of testing things. So once again, I'm going to mention Eva, which is a repricing tool. Two reasons why I think Eva is really different to the other repricing software out there. There's plenty of repricing software for resellers. It tends to be rules-based, which means that if it stops working, the system isn't going to automatically adjust, which means you've got to do a lot of manual labor in monitoring it. So Eva has an artificial intelligence engine, which means that even their reseller repricing, which they do as well, learns from experience, broadly speaking, to put it in simple terms. And so that's quite profoundly different from rules-based. The second thing is kind of simple, but complex. The simple thing is other repricing engines are just obsessed with price and maximizing profit. But of course, the biggest way to run out of profit is to run out of stock because when your stock's gone in a product, your revenue obviously falls to absolute zero for as long as you're out of stock. And then we all know that also Amazon can punish you depending on how competitive your marketplace is and reduce your rankings for the right keywords, etc. So going out of stock is very bad. Therefore, why would you want to price for profit abstractly separate from whether you have stock? Well, you wouldn't. But of course, most reprices work in a sort of vacuum in that way. Whereas Eva has a stock control and replenishment sort of engine that integrates with the pricing engine. Now, I think that's super smart. And even if you don't use software, manually, you're going to have to think about that as well. We will be talking about stock control for that very reason in a separate episode as part of this profit maximization series. For all these reasons, I really do recommend that you check out Eva. Um, if you go for the offer with them, then you get a month of free mastermind if you're UK based or European based and hit the mastermind criteria for the 10K collective, which is you need to be doing at least 40,000 pounds or about 50,000 euros per month and private label sales. So you can check that out at amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. And just if you want to get the bonuses, you'll just need to get in touch with me and send me an email and tell me that you've gone ahead with it. The other two things I've got to offer in relationship to pricing is this. First of all, we've got a little guide that I've co-created with Eva because they are repricing experts about pricing. It's not super sophisticated, but it should give you several thoughts about pricing on Amazon at www.amazingfba.com forward slash repricer. That is amazingfba.com forward slash repricer. So a little guide on that and quite a few emails in a little series. Something you should consider getting if you want free help from me on that. Last but not least, if you're not sure where you should be focusing to maximize profit, then I can really help you. I've spent quite a lot of the last 
several weeks, at least longer than that. I've been working on it for quite a few months now on a profit assessment that as accurately as possible diagnoses where you have options and possibilities to increase your profit and basically find your biggest profit killer, the thing that's losing you the most money, and then how to flip that on its head and make it a profit growth option. So if you want to find that out, go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com. So quite a few calls to action today. It's probably my bad. I shouldn't do that, but I'm sweating to try and get across to you some important principles that we're finding here. I hope that helps. And I want to give you the tools to do the job. So the assessment tool, amazonprofitquiz.com. I think you'll find it really useful. If you find that it's flawed or you think the results are wrong, just email me, Michael at AmazingFBA. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L at AmazingFBA.com. And I'm happy to, to tweak the system with your assistance to make it the best it can be. But we have already road tested it and it seems to be working pretty well. So check it out. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope I've, if, if nothing else, woken you up to the power of pricing. There's subtle psychology that goes on, but the reason why is one thing. Psychology is a bit abstract, but the truth on the coalface is a bit more exciting and a more mundane and more exciting. The mundane thing is that some products can have higher prices in some contexts than you think. The fantastic thing about that is it's just profit that falls straight to your bottom line. If you raise your prices when you can do so without damaging the flow of stock and keeping your stock velocity, then you are in a fantastic situation to just take more profit from the same exact sales or pretty much the same sales. Even if it falls off a bit, but you hire as a good trade and from the same products, so you don't have to change the packaging. You have to change anything about the products necessarily if you get the price right. And bundling is changing the products a little bit, but hopefully not too much to break you out in a sweat relative to redesigning products or redesigning packaging, particularly if it's coming in from China or India or wherever it may be. Thank you very much for listening and uh, stay tuned for very much more. Repricing is the next episode and then the overall series is about profit maximization, including stock control. And uh, what else have we got coming up here? We've got repricing next. And we're going to talk about stock control, why it matters and how to achieve it manually. And then also how you might want to look into using systems to do that. We've got profit measurements, clarity to give you the numbers that you need, reimbursements, Amazon ads, and how to cut waste from that. Very big cost to a lot of us at the moment. Branding, as I've mentioned today already, and conversion rate optimization and business model clarity as well. Lots to come, lots to take on board, but hopefully it's going to be very practical, doable, quick wins and low hanging fruit. That's what we're aiming for here. So I hope that helps you. Thank you very much for listening and look forward to speaking to you soon for the 10K Collective podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found this show helpful. We've run interactive small group masterminds for six and seven figure Amazon sellers since September 2017. Members report things like I couldn't have done it without you and find each other a great resource, particularly in challenging times. Our biggest seller to date has broken through the eight figures a year mark in 2020. 
Members of the 10K Collective Mastermind are not newcomers. They sell private label or custom products on Amazon and they make a minimum of about $350,000 a year or £300,000 a year in revenue. In most cases, much higher than that. We're currently running both online and offline versions of the Mastermind. To find out more about that, go to www.theamazonmastermind.com. That's theamazonmastermind.com. Thank you very much for listening to the show.